This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, the official beer of Steeler Nation. Pure, honest beer. I'm your host with the most, G Striker, and the Steelers just suffered their second loss in eight games. We had a tough game in Pittsburgh against Buffalo, which I stated was a playoff game. Honestly, that was the first playoff game of the year, and the Steelers wilted. And five turnovers, but four by Devlin Hodges, also put a fumble on the ground that fortunately was recovered by the offensive line. Uh, and also a fumble by one of the receivers. Why is it slipping my mind? But either way, defense does its job, holds them very well, holds them to 17 points, gets two turnovers of its own right. Hey, you know, the defense kept you in the game. Defense did enough, I feel, to win that game for you. Obviously, four turnovers... Just by Duck Hodges alone, I mean, Buffalo must have practiced with their Nintendo Entertainment System light pistol because they were on a duck hunt on Sunday, and man, they shot them up. Shot them up. Four INTs. Two in the final two minutes. I mean, honestly, it's his worst game as a pro. Honestly, you know, he's also a rookie, undrafted rookie free agent. I've given him a little bit of a pass, but... Even with all of those horrible turnovers, the Steelers still had a chance of winning that game. They had two chances in the final two minutes to tie the game, possibly win it with a two-point conversion, Uh, maybe go to overtime on what is a coin flip in the NFL on their crazy-ass overtime rules. Um, But either way, they, they were still in the game, and the defense kept them in the game. Hodges did make a good play to Connor for the touchdown on the uh, on the release, and that's the problem that he didn't see toward the end of the game. He didn't see the releases. He had people open in the flats, and he kept looking deep. He had trouble when they went cover two in the final uh, in the final quarter. Obviously, they could because they made the Steelers one-dimensional. They had a lead. They knew the Steelers had to play against the clock. They knew the Steelers had to push the ball downfield in the passing game, and they got to Hodges, man. They got pressure. They got sacks. They got interceptions, and it's really, really, really tough to win a game when the the quarterback is turning them over to clip like that when you get in that pressure. Because honestly, if this was a more conservative game, if the Steelers brought the ball in a little bit more, then you know they might win the game. I mean, obviously the now I'm recalling the the fumble earlier is the end of the first quarter when the Steelers got a turnover. It looked like they were going to score. They're going into the half, and they ran a wildcat on first and goal with uh, Jalen Samuels handing off to uh, Deontay Johnson, and Deontay Johnson fumbles the ball. So, you know, I'm I don't mind the wildcat at all. 
Um, actually a big fan of it. Samuels was an excellent Wildcat quarterback in college. The problem that I had with the Wildcat call in this instance was giving it to a wide receiver to run between the tackles inside the 10-yard line. Receivers are not supposed to run the ball or are not used to running the ball within the tackles, let alone at the, at the most congested part of the field, at the most congested part of the, to- the game, inside the red zone, inside goal to go, and boom, ball pops out. So much rather have Samuels keep the ball in that situation, much rather have Connor running the football in that situation, having him back. I mean, hell, that's that's why you got him because first drive after uh, – when you come back from halftime, you drive down and score with Connor uh, uh, running the release on the right-hand side. And Steelers had opportunities. So, you know, right there, I mean, obviously, bad decision-making. And uh, Fichtner, I don't know why you went to that um, when you had many more options that were more sound. I, hell, I would have preferred a bubble screen to a wide receiver. At least it's on the edge. Um but not in the middle of the effing field uh, on a on a wildcat. It just uh, that 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 was three big points that the Steelers ended up chasing the rest of the game because without those points they couldn't kick the field goal in the two minute drive. They got the ball back again and they would have been able to win it with a field goal. So you know it's it, the way Boz is kicking. You know I treat this team like it's the two thousand Ravens. Um, don't turn the ball over. Run the ball, possess the ball, get close enough for your kicker to win the game for you. Defense will keep the score low, and that's how the that's how the Ravens won a Super Bowl. Um, Dilfer had no defining games in the playoffs. He played four games. All of them were, I think, he only threw one interception though in in the four games. But I mean, he only had like two, maybe three total touchdowns uh, in those four games. He was right around 100 yards passing in those four games. I mean, they were relying on their rushing attack, they were relying on the return game, and they were relying on their defense. And this is something that the Steelers can do. Having Connor back and healthy now is great heading in these last two games because, hey, Steelers are still in playoff mode. I mean, this is, I mean, I'll get into this in a couple minutes because I just want to finish up here talking about the Jets game. Um, because the, the, the defense did an excellent job, but I want to make a point when I was at the game and I was watching the game, this was the most times where I've seen the Steelers substitute out, um, Edmonds, um, Edmonds and Hilton were flopping off the field. Um, Hilton came on the, the field the one time and Nelson got his first interception of the year. So now that leaves, Edmonds is the only starter on defense without a turnover. Um, It's also a little disconcerting in the fact that I think the Steelers know and I know that Edmonds is the weakest link on the defense. Um, He used to get all the snaps last year, early this year. He was in on every single snap. Now they're pulling him out on, on different situations. And the biggest situation where it really showed its ugly head was that touchdown at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, he had the deep flat. He had the deep half. Um, his The person in front of him rightly passed the, the receiver off to him, and it was the only receiver on that side of the field running deep. Edmonds got caught staring at the quarterback, didn't move, reacted late, and didn't come anywhere near to making a play on a, on a slow tight end running an, a flag. I mean... 
if he was watching the route, watching the players in front of him, seeing the releases through the zones, he would never have missed it. If Minka Fitzpatrick was playing that same spot in that same situation, Minka is not letting up a catch. He's not going to get an interception on it, obviously. It was a well-thrown ball to the outside, but you can make a play on the ball. You can at least make a play on a receiver in that situation when you understand that you only have one receiver deep in your in your half on your side of the ball for that situation, for a goal-to-goal situation on third down. I mean, you knock that ball down, they're kicking a field goal. Steelers are still well in that game and probably win the game. So it was a tough loss. It was a hurtful loss. But you also have to re- realize this was a playoff team. It's a winning team. It's it's the Buffalo team can actually win their division. They can beat the Patriots this week, win next week, and clinch the AFC East. And when was the last time that any team with two weeks to go in the season could have said that other than the Jets back when Sanchez first started, uh, his first two couple years when he was lighting the world on fire. But Buffalo has a legit chance of beating the Patriots and winning their division. So this is a good team. And Steeler fans also have to realize Steelers are a good team too. Steelers were with this team. They could have played the, played the game a lot closer if they didn't turn the ball over. they probably win this game. But having a minus three turnover differential is not going to win you a football game ever. And that was the reason why they pulled Mason Rudolph in the first place. Because he had a four interception game. He was forcing the ball downfield. Albeit, he was forcing down the ball downfield earlier in the game. Uh, you know, Hodges was kind of forcing it a little bit later. So he got stuck. And that cover two killed him. And because he's still trying to force that ball deep on the cover two. They had bracket coverage every time they tried to throw somebody across the field deep. So... And it burned him. Burned him multiple, multiple times. Um, moving forward, it looks like they're going to stick with Duck. Uh, I hope he bounces back from it. I, I know he has the mental wherewithal to do so, but he's going up against a tough uh, defense, which I'll just talk about in a few minutes because I want to go over the injury situation uh, here first. Um, and fortunately, the injury situation for the Steelers is getting awesome. No new injuries again for two weeks in a row. Uh, that's... The second time this season this has happened for the first time because the previous week was the first time we didn't have an injury coming out. Same thing this this week, this past week, no injuries coming out of the Buffalo game. And that is huge because Connor came back last week. He's going to have a week under his belt. He's probably going to get a lot more touches than just the 15 he got last week. And you've got Juju, who was limited on Tuesday, but practice or sorry, Wednesday, but practice fully yesterday, Thursday. Um, if he practices today fully, he's probably playing. Um, Vance McDonald practiced fully two two weeks, or both on Wednesday and Thursday, which means he is off concussion protocol. If he cleared, if he practices today, he's going to be playing, and that is huge because the Steelers could use his help too with Vanette. Um, another injury that just did pop up was Joe Hayden in his foot. So he was limited on... Um, Thursday, actually did not practice on Thursday, a correction. Uh, he played practice fully on Wednesday, so I'm assuming he must have hurt or tweaked his foot on Wednesday. I'm hoping it's the old veteran, hey, you tweaked your foot, take Thursday off, we'll come back Friday, we'll go. We'll see how the practice situation is today to see if he's going to be playing all, you know, this weekend. But obviously, 
that's a big part of what makes the Steelers great is Joe Hayden and the way he's been covering that edge, and he's been a monster on that edge. So I'm just hoping it's a veteran. You know, we're giving you a little – you get a little tweak. We're going to give you a little help. But we'll see today, and fingers crossed for you, Joe. We're all praying for you that you got a, you got a healthy foot. Uh, but that that's still saying injury situation is as good as it's been all season. And this is what you need because now the Jets are a playoff game. And this is what I was going to get into earlier I've been working out the playoff scenarios. The Steelers, which I thought could clinch this weekend, can no way, shape, or form clinch this weekend. Um, even if they win and Tennessee loses, Tennessee would be losing to an NFC team. They're still a half game behind the Steelers, which means the Steelers' playoff scenario is one of two ways, is the way it appears. Um, actually there's three ways. So I'll go, I'll, I'll break down. Here's the playoff scenario. Obviously they're in charge of their own playoff seating. If they win the next two games, they are in. That is unquestionable. Easy. Another one is if they are the benefit of backing into the playoffs. If the Tennessee Titans lose out to New Orleans and the Texans again in the final week of the season, the Steelers are in the playoffs though I assume the Steelers would still have to win one more game to stay one up on Cleveland, and who's the other one? Mm. Colts. That's right. The Colts are the other ones with six-win teams. So one more win would assure it, but if any of those teams lose one, obviously the Steelers are still in. The only one-in-one scenario that can occur doesn't matter who the Steelers win to, one-in-one, and if the Titans go one-in-one, the Titans have to win against New Orleans and lose to the Texans for the tie breaks on the um, AFC conference record to work in the favor of the Steelers for the Steelers to make the playoffs. And that is if both teams go one and one. The only way the Steelers can make the playoffs is if the, the Tennessee Titans one and one is a win against New Orleans and a loss against the Texans. If it's the other way around, uh, they're going to win on tie breaks for strength of victory, and that should win out for the Titans and going to the playoffs. So, Steeler fans, we're in the playoffs now, and we were in the playoffs last week. It would have been huge if they won last week. They pretty much would have clinched. Um, but this week, now they got to win, and Baltimore, which <laughs> looks like they're going to be resting everybody because Baltimore wins this week, they lock up the one seed with the tie break on the head-to-head matchup against the Patriots. Doesn't matter if they win or lose to Buffalo. If Baltimore wins this week, they are in. They are the one seed. They are resting starters on week 17. So that helps out the Steelers a little bit. But as we've seen from prior years, Steelers rest all their starters against the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns still can't win the final game of the season. So, you know, even if Baltimore is resting starters, they still got an awesome defense. They're still going to be executing very well. It's still going to be a divisional game. They hate the Steelers. Steelers hate them. Harbaugh hates us. We hate Harbaugh. But he knows how to coach. He's going to keep the game conservative. He's going to hope the Steelers make the bigger mistake because they got less to lose. And they're going to lock down. It's going to look like a college football game, to tell you the truth, the way that that they're going to run it. They're going to run the football heavily. They're probably going to go to, you know, RG3 will probably be the quarterback. But even if they bring in McSorley, McSorley did an excellent job in the training camp this year for Baltimore. I live in the Baltimore area. I follow these 
this team a little pretty closely, more closely than I guess more Steeler fans do uh, living in Maryland. But McSorley did an excellent job to the point where this is the first time, barring significant injuries to quarterbacks, the prior years with Flacco getting hurt during the season, that the that the Ravens have carried three healthy quarterbacks. It's the first time in Harbaugh's tenure. Usually he's a two-quarterback guy. So he loved what he saw in the preseason. McSorley executed excellently in the, in the preseason and did earn a roster spot. Um, so I, you know, he's going to be the backup of the future there. And really smart job, too, for the Ravens because they have three quarterbacks that are accurate and mobile. And... That helps when you're if if something happens to Lamar Jackson, you're not having to redo the offense. Like Philadelphia, when Wentz went down, they actually redid the offense. It, it went from you know more of a West Coast pass attack and, and quick attack, and they went to a read option. Um, but you know, fortunately, it worked out for them. It never you know it, I've never seen it work out where a team lost a quarterback, they changed their offense, and they win a Super Bowl. That was the first time I ever saw that because they went to a read option. Uh, from the West Coast pass attack. I mean, they still had elements of the West Coast pass attack, but his they went to the strength of the quarterback, and that is smart for the coaching staff to do so. But in this situation with the Ravens, it's smart to have three quarterbacks that can run the offense that you built. Big tight ends, huge offensive line, big run. They, I mean, they, they're, 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 they're turning the tide or they're tilting the scales from pass-heavy uh, pass attacks back over to run ball control uh running attacks and this is the time that it's really starting to screw the nfl and that's why they're doing so well this year is because so many defenses are built to stop the pass attack so that when you have a a great rushing attack with a great mobile quarterback you're now in a situation where you're playing catch-up because you did not develop your defense to go up against that type of offense and bill belichick did the same thing he's been building a big offensive line these last couple years as well because he sees that trend and you know coaches that that watch those trendsetters are, are having success this year there's no question why these two teams aren't are vying for the one and two seeds and, and a first round buy is because they read the league they understood that if they're going against the grain at the right time they're going to have an advantage and they do have an advantage and they both have strong defenses, and that's why both teams are, you know, going for a bye. Steelers, on the other hand, you know, they've, they've kind of <laughs> been reshaping the offense all year long, um, which is difficult because you lose your franchise quarterback, and it was the entire the entire offense was built around Ben. Ben makes the offense go. I mean, it's like watching Drew Brees out there. I just watched Drew Brees on uh, Monday night, I believe, and he played. I mean, when he when he set the record and he broke the record, um, one of two things. One one quick point aside, I, I'm thankful that Tom Brady has never held the record yet for most touchdowns in the NFL. He was one behind Peyton Manning and Drew Brees leapfrogged them both, which I just love. Uh, can't stand Brady. So, but you know, I digress. You watch Brees go through progressions, and he owns the football field like Manning owned the football field I mean they know where the receivers are they know where the mismatches are they know how to read a defense and Ben Roethlisberger is no different and when you lose that type of quarterback you don't get it back right away and I personally I do like 
Rudolph. I do like Hodges. I think they've got potential. They're they both shown they can not only play but win in this league, and that's huge. And they both earned their roster spots, in my opinion, especially at the preseason. I thought they were the three best quarterbacks on the roster this preseason, and the Steelers rightfully went out and got a draft pick for Dobbs, who they knew didn't really fit anymore with the developing quarterbacks that they had. So it's a process. And for the Steelers even to be in this situation with all the injuries, I mean, it's just amazing. It's it's unreal. It, I'm actually very excited to watch football this year. I'm really excited to watch the defense. I love what Watt is doing on the field. I love what Mink is doing on the field. Hayden and Nelson on the edges. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the linebackers, Dupree, just playing out of his mind this season. Um, Bush started off hot. He's, you know, still making tackles, but he's not as impactful as he had been earlier in the year. Um, you know, Williams and Barron rotating in too. They're doing a good job. And the offensive or the defensive line has been a strength. Too bad too it went down. I would love to have that whole defensive line at full strength with this defense because man, <laughs> they're already tough as it is. And you put to it out there a healthy to it with a healthy uh, Hayward and, and healthy Hargrave, who unfortunately probably is not going to be on the team next year. But, you know, Steelers got to decide on who they want to keep, Hargrave and, and Bud Dupree, or if, you know, <laughs> they've got to start building up for some more positions in the future. Offensive line's getting really old. You've got to start recycling in new players. you got to start drafting uh, a center high to replace Pouncey here in a couple years because even though he just made the Pro Bowl, his snaps are not Pro Bowl caliber this season. He is, he has just not been solid on snapping the football. That one, the first snap of the in the Seattle game that he threw over Mason Rudolph's head for a touchdown to the defense. I mean, that's unheard of for him. I mean, he was automatic with snaps. I mean, he still gets to the second level and makes those blocks better than anybody in the league, and is probably the most athletic center in the league. But his snaps have been horrible, putting balls on the ground. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's up. I, I, I don't know if he's has an arm injury. I don't know if he has a wrist injury or a forearm injury, but something just is not right with Pouncey's snaps and they need to be spot on, especially when you have younger quarterbacks back there trying to receive these snaps. doesn't help you at all. There's a couple uh hall of fame finalists that came out also for the, um, 100th year anniversary, not, you know, more of the, the, the players from the past as opposed to players that are current because they're going to be letting in a lot of people this year. Um, and a couple Steelers to mention, um, finally, Donnie Shell. Donnie Shell's a finalist, and uh, I hope he gets in because he's deserved to be there. Still at 51 interceptions, which leads all strong safeties all time, though if you research... You know, the Hall of Fame, there's a big safety bias. Um, they let in about as many safeties as they do kickers, it seems. Um, you know, the only, uh, the, the very, very few, or few pure safeties or, or players that only play safeties. I think there may be one, and that's uh, Ed Reed just made it in. I know Paul Malu's going to be up. He'll probably, he may be a first ballot and uh, because that guy was, was, ga- was a game changer. He changed the way strong safeties play in this league. Um Ronnie Lott, I know, made it in as well, but he was also a corner, started his career as a corner, and um, then grew into the safety role. And also, I mean, honestly, his his safety play was amazing. I know Atwater didn't make the the uh, the, the Hall of Fame, but I thought he was that heavy hitting, um, strong safety that kind of defined the league in the '80s and '90s. Um, and they're they're you know fun to watch. So 
good to see Shell finally getting some love, and unfortunately, L.C. Greenwood did not get the love, um, which I believe deserves it as, as much as anybody else that's in the Hall of Fame on that 70s team. Um, but hopefully in the future, he will get some more recognition. Interestingly enough, Steelers also have two more coaches that had some recognition to possibly to become finalists um, for the Hall of Fame, and that is uh, Bill Cowher and Parker. Parker was one of the coaches back in the uh, 50s, 60s, I believe. He was the only uh, pre-Super Bowl era coach to have a winning record. He was also the only pre-Super Bowl era coach to take the Steelers to a postseason game. And their only postseason game before the 1972 Immaculate Reception was against was the, uh, the, the the I think it was the championship game against the Eagles, which they lost. Um, so they had not won a postseason game. Their first postseason game was the first first postseason game win was the Immaculate Reception, and that's a piece of trivia that I always love um, because not only did it change their fortunes from being a losing team uh, to becoming a a, 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 a dynasty. But it, it it changed the whole program. I mean, that was their first win ever, and it took that play to give the Steelers, who had never won a playoff game in close to 40 years of existence, their first playoff win, which is just, just extremely ironic and beautifully ironic. Um, and that's one of the reasons why that play is, is so impactful for me as a Steeler fan and for the franchise as a whole, and for the entire NFL. It was really, really an amazing time. So, you know, getting back to the game at hand, you know, we're going to be playing the Jets this week. Um, and the it's a little bit of a homecoming. Uh, we, we've got a couple uh, former Steelers uh, playing in this game, and I, I, I was very interested. Obviously, we know the big one. We'll get to that in a second. But Stevie McClendon, who's their starting nose tackle, was with Steelers for four years before going to the Jets, and Kevin Beecham. So, um, Kelvin Beecham, I apologize. Um, he's on the team as well. Remember, he, was, he used to sub in at left tackle when we had some injuries there, and he did very well, and he got a big contract to – Jacksonville and they let him go after a year and he's been starting holding down left tackle for the Jets um the big guy the elephant in the room who didn't play it all last year Le'Veon Bell he'll be playing this game and you know we know him we know what the <laughs> what he's capable of uh he is a talented back he does not look as fast or as shifty though he was not a, a top high-end guy he was coming off one of his better games of the season with um, 87 yards off of 21 carries, 4.1 yards per carry. Uh, only added uh, one, two receptions for one yard, so he didn't break 100 last week. But he had a, he had a, a pretty good week on the ground, and I'd expect more of the same this week. I, I think they're going to probably game plan to have Bell run the ball a lot more. Obviously, Bell has a little extra incentive to try to show Pittsburgh that, hey, you know, you didn't pay me. This is what you get. But, you know, as the overarching um, reasoning for the NFL and the way front offices work, the Jets now, <laughs> with the way that you hear some rumors of them trying to move Bell at the trade deadline, possibly releasing him after this year, 
it seems like they're not happy with the decisions they made. And that goes with the Antonio Brown situation, which is why he's not playing for a team. We're two other teams who thought they hit the jackpot getting Antonio Brown and found that they had fool's gold. And so, you know, but at least Bell's still healthy. He's still producing. He can still do something in this game. And it will be, he will be up to play in this game. And I think this would probably be, this might be his best game. Uh, at least in terms of him being up and ready to play and wanting to play and wanting to execute and not worrying about anything else but trying to get the ball down the field and score touchdowns. So defense is going to have it out for him this this week. I mean, we all know he doesn't have high-end speed. He's not going to break off a 50-yarder. He'd be lucky to break off a 20-yarder. Um, but he is capable of those 5- to 12-yard plays every time he gets the ball. So and that's what that's what he did. I mean, I remember watching him. I'm I'd watch the game, I'd watch him, you know, rip off play after play after play and at the end of the game I'm like, "Holy crap, he has 125 yards." And you know, we were used to watching fast Willie Parker rip off a 30-yarder, rip off a 40-yarder, even Bettis rip off a 25-yarder, 40-yarder, or sometimes a 50-yarder. And <laughs> as he rumbled down the field cuz he was tough to tackle. But Bell is a unique running back in the fact that he can quietly get 100 yards on the ground. And, you know, this game's going to be no no different. I mean, Steelers really have to be vigilant. And I honestly think and, and think his, his most impactful usage is as a receiver out of the backfield. And that is something that the Steelers tend to have some trouble with, is following the, the running backs out of the backfield when they become receivers. And might have to put an extra slot corner on him as opposed to covering him with a linebacker. So I don't know if they're going to go dime or dollar to have more corners on the field, but with a rushing attack, obviously they're going to start in the nickel and the heavy nickel um, and the 3-4. So we'll see how this matchup unfolds. There is another Steeler on the Jets that isn't a player, but Heinz Ward currently helps coaching their wide receivers. And when Drake went down and, and passed away this offseason, I was hoping that they'd bring him back. I knew he came in previous preseasons to come and help the receiver as a, as a um, uh, honorary assistant coach uh, for the preseason. And I honestly, I think he fits this locker room. He always had a positive mentality. He always worked to make receivers better. Hell, I remember back when he was injured when he was a player. And as opposed to sitting on the sideline watching practice, he was out there standing on the field, putting his hands up when the receivers would just go out to catch normal balls, just in the in the receiving drill. He'd be there in the middle, putting his hands up, just doing anything he can to help the team. And, and to me, that's a coach. Uh, and that was he was doing that when he was a player. He understands the game. He's one of the best root runners ever to play in the league because he wasn't fast. He wasn't the biggest guy, but he was smart. He knew how to set up routes. He knew how to set up defenders to get them off balance or stepping the wrong direction before he went the way he wanted to go and he knew and the way the quarterback knew he was going. And that's why he was so impactful, and that's why he has the Steelers' record for most receptions and most yardage. Guy's a phenomenon. I mean, t- take aside from the fact that he's also the best blocking wide receiver I've ever seen in the league. Um, and that's a reason why I think he's a Hall of Famer. I know he's a finalist this year, or sorry, semifinalist for the contemporary um, Hall of Fame Hall of Famers, which come down to you know ten finalists and then five that get into the Hall. 
Um, he and Fanica are still in the running for that. So, honestly, complete body of work, changing the league, showing you that you can be an impactful receiver, both when the when the league was a running league and we had a rushing team, he was an impactful receiver. He was a thousand yard receiver when the Steelers went to Bettis, and because on third down they went to Ward. Why? Because he got open, and he never dropped the ball. Guy had awesome hands. So, complete body of work, creating a rule, no the the Heinz Ward rule on on crackback blocks when he destroyed uh, Rivers' jaw for the Bengals on that one uh, interception return. You know, it's good to protect the league, but man, that hit was amazing. <laughs> I mean, that was Heinz' mo. He wanted to hurt you. He he wanted to put you on the ground and hurt you the way the defenses wanted to put him on the ground and hurt him. And more often than not, Hines got the better of the defenses every time. <laughs> to have a Hall of Famer like Ed Reed, you know, point at Hines Ward and and be afraid of Hines Ward in the games that they're going into, saying, I'm going to knock you out the way you knock me out, but his head's on a swivel. This is a receiver that made defensive backs have their heads on a swivel to see where he was coming from. Now that's if that isn't one of the most impactful things that a receiver can have, where the defense is afraid of a receiver coming across the middle because they might get hit. I don't know any other receiver in the league that would that that would have created that kind of fear. And as a result, I mean, a couple times he was voted dirtiest player in the league and things like that. But honestly, he played gritty football. He played it the way they played it in the '40s, '50s, '60s. And he's a throwback. And guy was indestructible. Loved watching him. And he came up with a smile on his face every time, whether he's he was hitting somebody hard or whether he got hit hard. Every time coming up with a smile on his face. And man, I love that guy. And that's what you want in the locker room. You want a guy with a smile on his face that knows how to play the game, that knows how to run roots, that knows how to catch the ball properly with his hand mechanics, and that knows how to hit the crap out of a defender coming across the middle. To me, that's with the size, you already have three big receivers on this team now. I mean, you've got Washington, huge body guy. The guy looks like a linebacker, upper body wise. You got Juju Smith Schuster, big guy. Um, I know Deontay Johnson is not a big guy, but he is a willing blocker. And I've been watching him run routes. Holton's a big guy and uh, does a pretty good job in the blocking game. And that's why he's been on the field so much, not necessarily to catch, but to block. And, you know, when you have big guys and you have somebody that knows how to teach big guys how to do the stuff that Heinz Ward wasn't a big guy, about six foot six one, but he, he was a pit bull, man. Just like the Georgia Bulldogs. That guy was a bulldog. Small in stature, tough, big, muscular guy that you just couldn't knock off his feet. He was a bowling ball. That guy was great to watch. Great to watch. So getting back to the the Jets game, getting back to, you know, what we're seeing for matchups wise this week, like we talked about Bell, their defense is going to be ready. And they got Greg Williams. And honestly, I wanted the Steelers to go out and get Greg Williams last year. He's my one of my absolute favorite defensive coordinators. I mean, the guy's an asshole. Uh, people don't like him. Uh, he he bounces from team to team. Um, he got in trouble, obviously, in New Orleans for the uh, the, the bounty gate. Um but, you know, the guy does know how to, to coach defense. Every time he goes to a defense a team, their defense gets markedly better. He's a Buffalo. 
He was in the Cleveland. He was in New Orleans. Now he's in the the, the Jets. <clears throat> These teams know how to play defense. They know how to get pressure on a quarterback, and they're opportunistic behind. I mean, obviously they lost C.J. Mosley, who was built to be in the center of a Greg Williams defense. He's out for the year, obviously, with because he got hurt early in the year. Um, but first game of the year, he returns a, 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 a turnover for a touchdown. I don't remember if it was a fumble or an interception, but I did remember that he scored a touchdown in his first game. And Guy is just a ball hawk, and you need that kind of player in the center of the field for a Greg Williams defense. But, you know, there's still a great defense. They're still getting turnovers. They're still getting pressure. And Steelers have to be mindful because they're going to try to confuse Duck, and they're going to co- try to come after him at all angles. And Greg Williams is not afraid to go all out. He will f- He will not just rush four or five. He will rush six and seven. Um, doing it at the right time of the game can be very impactful. Um, getting caught doing it at the wrong time of the game can lead to an easy touchdown is what happened in the Miami game for Rudolph when they rushed like eight, 10, 11. Yep. They rushed eight and he hit the slant with DJ and DJ went around one guy for a touchdown <laughs> and good, great day, downfield blocking as well with Washington and, and, uh, um, and Juju. So we will see this week how they match up. You know, this has to be a game. The Steelers have to win because this is the easiest game left on the ske- on, on their schedule and one of the easiest games on their entire schedule um, as far as for sh- they should win. Um, they've got the three-point advantage, which means neutral. They'd be a six-point advantage to win. So this should be a win, but big equalizer in the game of football. Turnovers, people. Turnovers is the biggest equalizer in the game of football. Steelers have to have more turnovers than the other team to win games with this quarterback situation or at least have it close within one to give this team a chance to win at the end of the game. Um, because right now they're they're losing when they get the minus fours and the minus threes. No chance to win those games. So, fingers crossed, let's root for our defense this week. Super excited to see them play in, in, in New York and hopefully come away with a win. But, you know, I'll be rooting hard, and I'll be at home this time. I'm not going to be in New York for this game, but... Um, looking forward to watching this game, and I know a lot of you Steeler fans are too because a win here gets them another step closer to the playoffs. So, and we have some breaking news here on the SteelerNation.com podcast. According to an article here written by our chief writer, Justin McGonigal, we had a Steeler safety arrested overnight. It turns out that something happened with Cam Kelly. Cam Kelly was arrested on Thursday night or early Friday morning, according to court records, uh, Colin Dunlop from 93.7 The Fan was the first person to speak on the issue. Uh, he did a tweet. Uh, Colin Dunlap's laps tweet read, apparently there could be some news with Steelers Cameron Kelly today. I'm hearing dot, 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 and it might not be good. So what does that impact the team or how does that impact the team? Uh, Kelly's a backup play some special teams. Ideally, the Steelers are going to have to pick up another safety. Now, here is something that is in the back of my mind is they have a great safety already on the roster who is on injured reserve, and that is Davis. So Davis was injured early in the season. Let me look up here quickly to see what his injury was. Uh, I think it was a shoulder if I'm remembering properly. Um but let me make sure I want to be I want to be positive. So I'm, I'm looking up my injury spreadsheet, which is on 
Um, SteelerNation.com. If you go to the for- football forums, it's the top sticky. Uh, and I track all the roster moves and injuries on the Steelers. And when Sean Davis got hurt, it was his shoulder. And he was IR'd in week two. Uh, or he got hurt in week two, and he was put on IR week starting week three and missed the week three game. So he is eligible to return. Uh, I don't know how injured he is, but this could be a great situation where the Steelers get are able to replace someone seamlessly in the defense that has more talent than the person that was already there. So let's keep our ears open. We'll see if Sean Davis is eligible or healthy enough to return, and I'm hoping he is because this would be a great opportunity for him to get back out and on the field. Um, Big news, though, Steelers. So let's keep our ears open, and we'll see how this transpires here in the next couple hours because we got to figure out whether or not he's going to be on the team or – if the Steelers are going to deactivate him. So only here at SteelerNation.com during a podcast do you get breaking news. That's great. All right, so here we go, Steeler fans. That's all the time I have for the podcast today. I'm your host, G Striker. Make sure to come on over to SteelerNation.com for the best football forum and football news on the internet. Some of the articles even written by myself. You can tweet us at SteelerNation or Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Thanks for joining us on the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Stony Brewing. I am your host, G Striker, rooting along with you as always, Steeler Nation. Go Steelers!